I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi everyone, welcome to another amazing episode of Beauty Bosses. I'm so pleased to have the co-founders of The Laundress here as my guests today. Um, so welcome to Gwen Whiting and Lindsay Boyd. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Okay, Thank great. You. <laughs> so The Laundress, for those of you who are not familiar with the company, is um, a really amazing concept in cleaning stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, The Laundress, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, is an eco-friendly company that really focuses on home cleaning products, detergents, and everything related to fabric care. Right. Yeah. Okay, amazing. <laughs> so how did it all begin? I know you guys met a really long time ago at Cornell's um, Fiber Science Textile and Apparel Management Program. And then what happened yes. from there? Yes. So actually, the the funny story, Gwen and I always like to say, is we when we first met, initially met, and became friends, we were wearing similar outfits, had similar haircuts, and we looked very similar. Yeah. So the rest is history. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we we met in college, but um, our background is fiber textile science, um, and we always wanted to start a business together, but we knew we had to get real corporate experience under under our belt mm -hmm. before before jumping into doing something on our own. Um, we had several other ideas um, prior to the laundress. That, uh, but what, they just, what were the ideas? Um, well, uh, yeah. we had a makeup company, which yeah. we which we still yeah. might do. Yeah, yeah. so it's not, <laughs> it still has not been done. It hasn't been which, done, so. Yeah. We say we're not sure if that's a good thing or <laughs> a bad thing. <laughs> so. But that was our original um, yeah. plan that we actually worked on in college together. and. We were always participating in each other's projects, and so mm -hmm. we we knew that we had an ambition to have a business together. We, our parents were both entrepreneurs, small business owners, so we had the sort of same ethic and ethos and understanding from from our families. And yeah. but we we graduated, got jobs, and kind of kept tapping along throughout until um, yeah. and we both worked in in the fashion industry after graduation um, Gwen being more in production and design and then I had more of a sales and marketing background in fashion so I was at Chanel and Gwen at Ralph Lauren and we um, sort of married that professional career experience with our education and that's how the laundress ultimately formed over a diner and some grilled cheese, most likely. <laughs> we eat much healthier and so, now. And that's when you were, how many years out of college were you when you were thinking about oh, this? Oh gosh, thing? yeah. We were five, six years out of college. I mean, yeah, maybe, no, we longer. We should know this number. I know we should. Well, no, we, we graduated in 98, so we started the <laughs> launches in 2004. We incorporated so in 2002, so we worked for two years while in our jobs writing our business plan, yeah. creating our formulas, learning how to make detergent, and so on. 
Okay. So how did that work when you guys were, was this sort of like the ultimate side hustle where you were yes. working on this at <laughs> night when you came home from yeah. your day job? So and in the morning. How was that yeah. process? And, in the and, vaca- and Memorial Weekend <laughs> when everyone was going to the Hamptons and we were, you know, passing papers to each other in, um, you know, the Chase Bank. We, fortunately, our offices were down the street from each other, so... We met a lot right. in hotels around the corner. A short meeting was at the Chase. Yeah. A longer meeting was squatting at the Four Seasons in yeah. a chair. <laughs> and so you basically were just making it work, which I yeah. really like because sometimes, you know, I've um, interviewed some people who've had the luxury of taking time off or being right. in an incubator program or really like spending a year or two of their lives focusing on just right. their business right. plan. Um, but it's interesting that you guys had a main job to pay the yeah. bills, yeah. presumably, and mm-hmm. you know, keep you going, and then you were doing this kind of in your stolen moments. Right. Yeah. I mean, we were we've been at it for fourteen years, so we were sort of pre-graduate from business school and get investment and have a startup. So we were sort of in that beginning where we were very young and we were hustling and we were making our own personal ends meet, let alone financing a company. So it was very much. It was a, and it was a, it was a move that we wanted to do as far as our career because we were excited. We wanted to do something on our own, mm-hmm. so it was sort of. We looked around in our previous jobs and saw our boss was never going anywhere, and kind of, okay, what's the next move for us too? So that also, kind of escalated the, the process for us, right, and right. Um, and it was it was at the time where sort of small business was getting. A lot of noise and women business owners was getting a lot of noise and so we looked as part of all of our research for those two years was looking for investment and so we looked in into all of the the female business programs and it was it really wasn't a thing it, it was basically a high interest loan or credit card that we did better going to American Express and getting ourselves it was sort of a funding for really small business, like, I don't know. Yeah, we were, we, were over-educated. we were under, we were over we weren't qualified for those kind of small, the female-run businesses. Um, so we, we ended up getting a small business loan at the, from the SBA, and that was, allowed us to do our first production run and really mm-hmm. get, we also looked to friends and family for money and like investment, you know, mm-hmm. but that wasn't the direction that we ultimately yeah I mean ultimately we or we had to really kind of worked out that we did get along and we were able to um you know I could leave my job and then Gwen left her job and we kind of we were able I mean it's funny because I always think back like we had our first website with a fax it was an order form on the web online and people faxed in their orders. I mean, we're talking pre iPhones, like pre right. technology, I know. you know, and I had a credit card machine next to my bed, like to make it was I, very old school, you know, I had to do the interview with the banker to come make sure that we were running a business. And, and it was, was like in my apartment floor, walk up <laughs> in the studio and like, where do you want it plugged in? Where's I was like, Oh, next to the bed machine. is perfect. <laughs> That's why I had a table. <laughs> it was like our site visit. That's very funny. Business. Yeah. Okay, little... so then you founded the company. So this was 2002 that you incorporated, but you really started the company in 2004. We went live in 2004. Okay. And how did you realize that that was the time? Like, what was that two-year incubation period? Mm-hmm. Well, it was 
Every, a business plan. A business plan, mm-hmm. number one. And then going through the formulation process and the testing, which was, yeah, you know, you have your own line. You know how extensive that is just between the development and the totally, or, yeah. you know, the experience and, and the packaging and the, the whole yeah. aesthetic. I think it's important to note that we we were very adamant about educating ourselves on how the product should be made, not just some, not just going to a manufacturer and them telling us what we should do. So we went back to school and studied deter- the science of detergency, which we had no idea even existed. Um, and it, it, it was important for us to understand like what happens, you know, the science behind it, what happens when bleach hits fibers or what happens when um, why is everything blue? Like, kind of understanding the market and understanding how to make the product better. Well, yeah, that's really interesting because you wouldn't really necessarily think that that would be an area of study. But of course, if you're going to be yeah. good at anything, I mean, it's a science. An area of we, study. We, yeah. we, we studied the fiber science, and we studied, you know, the textile, the the mm-hmm. fibers, and the yarns, and the weaves, and the structure, and um, the composition. But then we wanted to take it to the next level, and well, our approach is very different coming from our backgrounds and why we got into detergent in the first place in fabric care was we had yellow pit stains on our $100 t-shirts or the advent of the expensive t-shirt, right? The, you know, mm-hmm. we went from Hanes to, you know, or you're buying a t-shirt at Barney's or whatever and it's more of an investment or even it's your favorite college t-shirt that you don't want to sacrifice to pit stains um, or our denim jeans and the dark denim and our cashmere and, and our, our stuff getting ruined at the dry cleaner was really important. Our dry cleaning bills were more. I was working at Chanel, so I had I was paying less at sample sales and more on my dry cleaning bills. And so for you know in your twenties, you're thinking, okay, this is ridiculous. Right. We know we can hand wash this. It's wool. It's silk. It's washable. And so we were hand washing our own things in baby shampoo, which is not ideal, but it was better than what was in the market. Right. And so. And we weren't, and we were, the items were getting ruined at the dry cleaner. And, and we knew, again, combining our textile experience, and we really looked at the market as fabric first versus one size fits all. Right. And so that okay. was. So our approach was going for a specific problem or a specific textile to wash. So the sci- it was science. Was science. That was, it was for a scientific <laughs> approach. So, and that, that was kind of the passion behind this. Correct. Because yes. I was going to ask you what what's so interesting right. about laundry. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. That's, That's it. Why, Saving why, our things. Saving our things. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Which I find kind of interesting because you think of um, laundry as one of these stereotypical 1950s, mm-hmm. you know, domestic chores that in a previous era chained women to the household and sort of kept women out of business and out of entrepreneurship. And you guys have kind of turned Mm -hmm. that on its head because now you're using that same concept of clean clothes, clean bed sheets, you know, Mm -hmm. household cleanliness. And um, you've made it into your own business, which is amazing. (laughs) And and really, and we're elevating the experience for people too, which I think is really important, having them... Our clients enjoy doing their laundry. It smells better. It feels better. It looks, your items look better. You're more confident. Like there's that whole, so that's the satisfying piece for us. And and nothing really made sense to us when we were struggling with our own personal issues with 
the dry cleaning bills and, and even dry cleaning, the stains weren't coming out and it smelled really bad and it cost a fortune and it really was kind of toxic even though that wasn't as big of a conversation 15 years ago that it is now. Um, and I just like <laughs> lost my dreams of um, You were struggling with the personal issues, yeah. but yes. there was also this bigger issue that everyone was having, yeah. right? And you guys yeah. kind of stepped in to fill right. the Right, so we and there was nothing in the market. There literally that was, my was point. only... My point was that there was nothing in the market, so mm-hmm. we're dealing with the dry cleaning, and then there's Woolite, which... Yeah. And then there was Tide. And that was it. Yeah, that was that's like the one size fits all thing. It was just blindly grab whatever they have and use it for everything. And that's where we had to say, hey, no. So it's a huge education, getting everybody yeah. away from that right. mindset. Right. And then we also, um, what also didn't make sense to us was that one company made a detergent, another company made a softener, another co- company mm. made a stain remover, and the other person made starch. So you had a scent experience that was totally across the board so you, you would do one load and you would end up having five different fragrances in your end result mm-hmm. and that's so we said well we need a comprehensive experience with one product with one scent to go from start to finish from stains to starch is what we say and so, then that's how our like everyday that. our everyday laundry collection that we have is is designed that way and we also have one for so everyday family and then we have a baby as well which you clearly need <laughs> I mean Probably. if you do not have that we need to make sure you get some stats we, we're, we're, we just launched gallons I know so I'm just sending you a case of gallons <laughs> I'll probably go through it's that. It's life-changing. Like it's awesome. Um, so is that so? summarize the kind of brand experience of your company. Uh, and I think you kind of alluded to it just now. Right. But basically, stains to starch or, mm-hmm. you know, I'll let you guys explain it a little bit more. Is it just the full, experience, the full spectrum of the right. experience? Right. So we went from the stains to starch with our classic collection. Mm-hmm. And then we developed, and we also at the same time developed with our 13 core first products, was the wool and cashmere shampoo and the delicate wash, which was for you know those wool the- and silk, and those were really why we started the company. Those were the two first products that said we need to start this company because this and is what our problems are. Those were we need for to make. those were for not dry cleaning. Not so dry we were cleaning after the no and dry and cleaning. not wool And so, how did you get those products into the world? How did you tell everyone that they mm-hmm. were out there in terms of? Advertising, marketing, word of mouth, mm-hmm. you know, what what did you do? In 2004, that was before yeah. the era of Instagram influencers. Right. So yes. In 2004, everyone thought we were crazy <laughs> yes. and leaving our fashion jobs to sell soap. Yes, but. and no one cared anything about eco-detergents or plant-based detergents. It was collecting dust on the bottom of a shelf in grocery stores, and it had rainbows and reindeer on it. You know, so that was the other thing. The they thought we were crazy. So, so when you were free that... Yeah. Yeah, so for we we tapped into our as far as being in stores, we tapped into our our resources. So um, like I met Bergdorf, my client was Bergdorf Goodman. I met them during my lunch hour. So we made a list of people that we knew. Another friend of Gwen's who had a store in the Hamptons. We curated. That was the initial approach, and then we also did trade shows as well. So there's so many different trade shows, gift shows. Um, Another show that we did in Paris uh, called Maison Objet. Um, so we that's where buyers can come and see your product, and we got a lot of orders through that. Um, and then 
it was the very with the very little money that we did have we understood the power of PR and of branding so we spent a lot of money on our first PR agency and got in the New York Times so that was like a big coup that was our first real mm-hmm. press piece and we well, have it framed still and, at my job yes <laughs> so I was like shoot I was like Monday morning meeting was a little awkward. But that was great for us to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what they say to you, were they like, do They're you like, need to talk to us? Yeah, like, so I saw you in the paper. I was like, yeah, thanks. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. That's my hobby. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's yeah, so funny, but so, it was fine. Yeah. yeah. Sort of. I mean, well, she was gone shortly thereafter, yeah. I think. You joined me quickly after, yeah, so... But yeah, that was, and again, it's, the landscape is very different now, but, um, right. I mean, you can have an influencer do something for you immediately and Instagram and I mean, it's good and bad, right? Because the market's concentrated, it's filled up now. And how do you differentiate yourself amongst everybody else? And versus then maybe, you know, while we were creating our own, we were kind of a disruptor in the space. We were creating our own little niche, but you know, there's pros and cons to, building a business 14 years ago and then today right there's a lot of things that I wish we had it was easier and harder in different ways yes exactly there's things that happen now where I'm like geez so easy you know (laughs) why didn't we know this or but it wasn't it just didn't exist or it wasn't an option yeah that's really interesting so what advice do you have for people who are starting a company now given that Presumably, mm-hmm. we still have all those resources from 2004, mm-hmm, and sure. now we have this whole compendium of more things. Sure. Um, what would you do if you were starting your company now, or what would you say to someone who's starting mm-hmm. their own? Well, we always say you have to do your homework. The, the business plan. <laughs> the business, I mean, the bl- business plan. No matter what. That's don't timeless. ever grow old. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, really questioning yourself, understanding who your customer is, or as much as you can. Right. Get the idea down. Keep the... It kept us on the, well, what's incredible is that our business plan still looks the same today. Our passion, our vision, our goals are still, I mean, our clients. we have more are, products, we have numbers yeah. to put in there. Like we yeah. have a real business. But the, but the core of our company before, that we wrote before we even knew how to make mm-hmm. a detergent remains authentically the same today. Which yeah. is really, we're really proud of. Yeah. And, and it definitely helped us you know, as partners and as a business, be super focused on what the brand is and mm-hmm. what we stand for. Yeah. Yeah, and I think also the other thing that um, Gwen spoken to before, which I think is important, is have an end goal, you know? Because you can, you can develop and oh, you can have a business plan. Sure. Yeah, you can have a business plan for... Uh, you can Forever. keep writing it. When, but when, at one point, do you finally say, okay, I'm done, I'm ready to, I'm ready to take the leap, like, and... We had our... We had a presentation big, goal for QVC. For QVC. It was a QVC <laughs> product tryout. Um, that was once a year, and that was the date. So it really committed us to saying, okay, this is the bottle. This is the logo. This is, yeah. So we wrote all of our copy. Because you can... So it was everything yeah. of you know what was on that bottle, what it looked like, and the presentation. And we're like, this is 
this is our cutoff. We're done. Yeah. Well, I mean, for that, for that, it to get us started. Since and, then, yeah. but it was a, a real goal. But you know, developing your own product, I'm sure you could think about ways. Totally. To, There's it, it, it never ends. Right. Exactly. Right. You have yeah. to just make you a decision. To, so you have to commit to your logo, and you have to commit to the packaging. You have yeah. to commit to things. You know, can always add to it, but you, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ideally the fundamentals so, stay the same. Yeah. Exactly. And so now you guys have grown. Um, you're a worldwide brand. Mm-hmm. You're in over 2,500 locations um, for retail, um, 38 countries, mm-hmm. uh, all over the place. <laughs> um, how did you get from those humble beginnings to this large scale international company? Well, it's interesting because we when we launched it with the trade shows in our first couple of years is. They, there were international buyers coming and a lot in uh, Europe really understood our product easier than the American market did. Uh, it's less dry cleaning society. They do more washing. They um, don't have dryers, most of them. They line dry, hand wash. So it was just a little bit more understandable and an attraction to fragrance, an attraction to a luxury product. and. Um, so and coming from global brands, it was very easy for us to to understand, understand that, that market. I mean, n- not being afraid to go. I mean, we literally launched at this. We launched in Asia the same time we launched in the U.S. Mm-hmm. We had some of our mm-hmm. first in and then the U.K. and and that and that came via the trade show. That was or, like an organic yeah thing that happened. But it's, and but we continued to grow and and push the the gospel of what we were doing and and so many people come to us or understand our brand for different reasons whether they're they're eco seekers or they're changing a lifestyle with the having a baby or getting their first home or um finding a, a treasure in the attic that's and asking us you know finding us online and saying, oh, I, I need to clean this and I, I don't know what to do. And, um, yeah, but, and then, so from the very beginning when we were launching into stores, we basically, we made a list of stores that we knew and shopped at and knew what we would, because you're, you're asking basically how we got from where, you know, from day one to where we yeah. are, and we, we literally, we were, we're big list makers. Okay, who do you... <laughs> who do you want to, you know, do a partnership with? What's your ideal? Or like, what stores do you want to be in? And so we were, we're consumers ourselves. So where do we want our product positioned? We love Diptyque candles. Okay, great. Let's look up Diptyque store list. You know, very basic, but smart things to do at the time because how else are we going to get out there? Um, we also yeah. worked with showrooms and rep groups, which we you meet them at the trade shows. I think the trade shows are really important if you're launching a brand. Mm-hmm. Um even though it's not as in vogue as it was then, or maybe not as, maybe the importance is not as strong now, but mm-hmm. it's still good because there are still those buyers that go and walk the shows and you will, it will um, open you up to exposure that I think you may, you're not gonna get just from Instagram or just from online. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, and our line was unique because we had so much, so many SKUs to offer, so we had, we could speak to lingerie stores, and we could speak to mm-hmm. cashmere stores, and we could speak to baby, and we could speak to home and lifestyle and fashion. And 
So we looked at other brands and saw where we would look good on the shelf and like made so many store lists, insane, and cold calls and (laughs) postcards and that's changed now. Um, People, you know, a lot of people come to us because they want our brand, thankfully, but I mean, I put product on consignment in stores, stood outside until the owner of the store came in so I could, you know, tell them about the laundress. Like it was... You know, if you're passionate about what you do, you will give face cream to people to get them to try, right? <laughs> and to show them how effective it is. And mm-hmm. that's what, giving samples away, don't be tight with giving product away. I always like, that's a big mistake. Get believers, get clients, give them samples. That's a big, from a sales perspective, like right. if and someone's curious, let them try it. I'm sure you have immediate people coming back after you give them a sample totally, or something yeah. or like, I mean, we and it's see a, how effective it's it is. It's effective and it's an experience and all we have to do is give one wash and then they're like, oh, I get it. I mean, we yeah. haven't had anyone, I mean, knock on, but in 14 no. years, no one says, oh, I bought your bottle and I, it was a waste. No. Not once. We, we can count I mean, how many returns on our hands that we've had like in 14 years, which is like nothing and that is exclusively has nothing to do with the the efficacy or the 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 product's performance it's based on oh i just decided i don't like the scent or something like something that's so that's so personal you know that's right. like but anyone that's ever gotten a sample and actually used it comes back that's awesome yeah. and i really like that yeah. okay so tell us about some of the challenges you guys have faced so it's great now. You're very, very mm-hmm. successful. But were there yeah. ever any moments where you thought, you know what, we missed those jobs in fashion and we should yeah. have stuck with them? <laughs> um, I, I do have... miss the clothing allowance. Yeah. <laughs> right now. <laughs> I had it, Chanel, but I think that's gone now anyway. The sample sales aren't as um, good. <laughs> I mean, I have my own personal thing. If Gwen, if you want to give your, like, I have my own thing that I, if you want to give your, oh, oh, being, being a mentor and a manager is the hardest thing that I ever, I was a manager in my role at Chanel, looked very different than my role at today. Like we have 23 employees and also not counting, not accounting all the distributors that we work with globally. And I think being able to find the time to really dedicate as a, to be a good manager and a good mentor and a to employees is very hard. Well, well, running um, the business and doing our own job. Well, that's, at the, well, that's on the top point, of all yeah, of yeah. that. And because it's like I, I, I had amazing bosses at Ralph Lauren, and I have such a respect and admiration for what they were for me then. But the structure is very different because then they had bosses, and then and then there was Ralph. So it was it was a different metric or a different sort of scheme than what Lindsay and I are effectively mm-hmm. doing where we're running our business and doing our job and trying to manage and mentor all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's very, um, it, it's not really spoken about as much as, as um, entrepreneurs and, and founders that are, pl- that are also employees. You know, and I think that's uh, it's an area where yeah, but it's I always like a challenge that because every good founder and entrepreneur knows yes. knows, knows the back that end of their is. business, right? Yeah. You know, you have sure. to understand the different yeah. roles in your company to be effective. Yes, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's great. 
Amazing. Well, this has been so interesting. We like to kind of close. This is Beauty Bosses, so we like to close each podcast by asking you guys to speak a little bit about what beauty means to you Mm -hmm. and what being a boss means to you. Because, you know, laundry and detergent and home cleaning is kind of fundamentally about preservation and you know, hygiene mm-hmm. and cleanliness, but also about putting your best self into the world and making your home the best it can be. And right, right. there's a little bit of a sense of, you know, pride and beauty in mm-hmm. that. So it, it would just be so interesting to hear your thoughts on that topic. Right. It's true because you can implement beauty in your life in so many ways, whether it's through your laundry fragrance experience or making a beautiful dinner plate, you know, or you know, for yourself, anything for yourself, whether it's an outfit or a bath or... (laughs) Yeah, and I like the self-care aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I I have two children, not not six, oh my goodness. God bless you. Um, I, but I, so I, I, that question about what beauty means to me comes up a lot with my daughter being seven and um, but I, I've always, for me, it's it's about confidence and how you feel. So, you know, people look at beauty as, um, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? But, like, the beauty is really from within, like, how you feel in confidence. And I think that's what's really cool about the laundress is it makes people feel more confident. Um, Stain-free or... I, you know, I was able to save my grandmother's quilt that I loved and things. So that's the way that I view beauty. That's great. And what does being a boss mean to you guys? I don't it's consider really myself hard. a boss. <laughs> oh, really? How come? I consider myself just the a business owner or an entrepreneur or the founder, co-founder. Um, and then I feel like I'm an employee like the rest of our team. So I, I don't, I don't know, I don't hang on boss so much. Yeah, that's a nice form of leadership, right? Because it's kind of by example. I like yeah. that. How about for you? Um, I look at bosses being, you know, a men- like kind of a mentor and someone that hopefully my employees aspire to be one day, do their own thing or, you know, keep growing in their roles. So um, nobody ever refers to Gwen and I as bosses. We're the founders and that's sort of, that's cool. Like I don't, you know... But I, I like Gwen, had amazing bosses, and um, someone, one of my boss at Chanel, who I'm very good friends with now, she's the things that I learned from her. So, boss doesn't have a bad, no bad connotation. No, it's just that we don't, no one really, none of our employees even refer to us as that. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> I love it. But um, but no, I think I mean, for I'm us sure being if, they were inter- if they were us, <laughs> they would say we're a boss. They'd be like, oh, that's my boss. But <laughs> and run, no. <laughs> But I mean, we're we're in there every day with our sleeves rolled up, just like them. So there's definitely uh, yeah. That's very cool. Well, thank you guys so much yeah. for being here, and thank I cannot you. wait to see what great things you guys have um, in store for all of us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, you so smell much. great, by the way. Oh, great. I know that like nobody <laughs> can really appreciate this because it's audio and video, right, yeah, right. but yeah, come to our ladies, yeah. I know they can come to our store in Soho and and have a scent tour. It's amazing. I feel like people really yeah. underappreciate the power of smell. Yes. So, yes. yes. Um, I think think everyone should come right over.